0: The good news is finally here. Friends, listen to me. This is serious business. What the world needs today is Jesus. The Bible says in John 3:16 that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And hello, brother and welcome to our program, The Truth Will Set You Free, Bible Prophecy Edition. I'm Vic Batista, along with my co-host, Nathan Jones, and we thank you for being part of our program here, The Truth Will Set You Free, Outreach of Lamb Lion Ministries. And of course, for those of you that are new to our program, we encourage you to get your Bibles ready and a piece of paper to take down some notes as we are going to have an exciting program prepared for you today that we have titled The Spirit of Tyre as we look at Ezekiel chapter 28. For those of you following us live on Pray.com or social media, we'd love for you to share this program with your friends and family so they can follow along with us as well. But before we continue, I'm going to ask my co-host Nathan Jones if he will open us up with a word of prayer.
1: Lord Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity to study your word. What an amazing prophecy is the fall of Tyre. And uh, Lord, as we uh, close out this prophecy and start moving into new territory, we just pray you'll speak through it, Lord. Uh, touch us where we all are at, where we need to hear your voice. We thank you, Lord Jesus, in your precious name. Amen.
0: Amen. Again, you're tuned into our truth to set you free. Bible Prophecy Edition, Big Batista, Nathan Jones. Our topic for today is that of the spirit of Tyre. So we encourage you to get your Bibles and turn with us to Ezekiel chapter 28. But before we continue, I'm going to welcome my co host, Nathan Jones. Nathan, it's great to be back again.
1: Brother, great Brother. to be on. Always. Uh, it's exciting to, we're diving in back into Ezekiel again. And, uh, you know, it's funny how folks come up and say, wow, you know, when are you guys going to finish Ezekiel? It's got 48 chapters. You're going you to be at it all year. And I said, yeah, but isn't it a fun journey?
0: Nathan, and it's true. You know, you and I have taken this journey and we're still learning every week. As we go through it, the Holy Spirit just continues to reveal fresh insight into things. And that's really what the journey is all about. is one of learning and drawing closer to the Lord.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think the best way to do that is a verse by verse, especially through the prophetic books. And for if you've been a long follower of The Truth Will Set You Free, you know, Vic and I have taught through Zechariah, Revelation, First and Second Thessalonians, quite a number of the minor prophets, uh, quite a number of books. So this is no uh, um, old or I should say, new hat to us. This is old. And I think I think it's the best way to learn. I myself have always resonated by letting the Holy Spirit speak through the verses. I mean, while I preach topically, and I know you do too, Vic, uh, there are times where it's really important to teach verse by verse and let the Holy Spirit do the talking and not force an outline as many of us preachers do, don't we? <laughs>
0: Yeah, Nathan, and that's a great point. And one of the things, too, of course, you and I from time to time will will, um, veer off a little bit for special uh, things that are happening. But uh, the wonderful thing, like you're saying, Nathan, it is nice to see how we can um, allow the Holy Spirit to minister to people just through his word. And at the end of the day, uh, that's what people need is really to hear more uh, what the Spirit is saying uh, to them. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. I, I so enjoy us being able to teach people and give them something that will help them grow.
1: Yeah, and that's the purpose. We're on a journey together. We're growing in the Lord together. Or if you don't know Jesus Christ yet as your Savior and you're, you're seeking, wow, we're sure glad you're here. Uh, we hope by the end of this program that you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. So welcome on to, with the journey with us.
0: Uh, That's awesome. And Nathan, briefly, just in case someone is not familiar with the ministry and they want to get a hold of some other resources, might you be able to share with them how they can get that information?
1: Absolutely. Well, you can check out Lamb & Lion Ministries through our website at christinprophecy.org. And you'll there find a wealth of information related to Bible prophecy. You know, 27 to 31 percent of the Bible is prophecy. So that's really exciting. The Lord wants us to know that the victory is in him. He wins in the end and that the, his children win with them. So check us out, ChristandProphecy.org. We've got videos, articles, a magazine you can sign up for, newsletters, and especially watch our TV show, Christ and Prophecy, which is now in its uh, 21st season, and uh, it airs on all the major Christian networks like Daystar. So, again, uh, we welcome you on our web, or even download our Lamb Lion app. If you're an app person, that's the place to go as well.
0: Mm, thank you so much, Nathan. Yeah, we're going to encourage you to take advantage of these wonderful resources. And uh, Nathan, uh, talking about exciting things, again, you and I have been uncovering some really amazing things in the book of Ezekiel uh, pertaining to Tyre. And like you mentioned, not a car Tyre. That's not what we're going to be talking about. <laughs> but it has to be, uh, it has to do with a nation, a people of Tyre. And uh, we've talked about the destruction of Tyre, their haughtiness and why the Lord was bringing uh, judgment upon them. And we're going to continue as we look now at chapter 28. But Nathan, not only did Ezekiel prophesy about the downfall of Tyre, but also the book of Isaiah chapter 23, verses 1 through 10, also gave a descriptive um, uh, picture of the fall of Tyre, as it was also uh, prophesied there and outlined by Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 23. Uh, but because of time, we want to encourage individuals to uh, uh, write these downs and, and check these things out for homework regarding this prophecy that we're going to be looking at today. And lastly, Nathan, you know, one thing that I think sometimes people don't recognize is the spiritual strings that are tied behind government, uh, controlling these dictators, controlling people. And as we dive into Ezekiel chapter 28 today, we're going to also touch uh, on some of that as we start there in uh, chapter 28, verses um, 1 through 9. So I want to encourage you guys, grab your Bibles, uh, to follow along with us. So Nathan, will you be able to uh, open us up there in Ezekiel 28, uh, looking at verses 1 through 5?
1: Yeah, let's pick up there. Well, the word of the Lord came to me, that's Ezekiel, saying, Son of man, to the prince of Tyre, thus says the Lord God, because your heart is lifted up and you say, I am a God. I sit in the seat of gods in the midst of the seas. Yet you are a man and not a god. Though you set your heart as a heart of a god, behold, you are wiser than Daniel. There's no secret that can be hidden from you. With your wisdom and your understanding, you have gained riches for yourself and gathered gold and silver into your treasuries. By your great wisdom and trade, you've increased your riches and your heart is lifted up because of your riches.
0: Mm, and verse six, therefore, thus says the Lord, because you have set your heart as the heart of a God, behold, therefore I will bring strangers against you, the most terrible of the nations, and they shall draw their swords against the beauty of your wisdom and defile your splendor. They shall throw you down into the pit, and you shall die the death of a slain in the midst of the seas. Will you will you still say before him who's, who slays you, I am a god? But you shall be a man and not a god in the hands of him who who slays you? You shall die the death of an uncircumcised by the hands of aliens. For I have spoken, says the Lord God. Powerful passage, right, Nate?
1: You know, it reminds me of in Christ's time, when Herod's sons uh, was at Caesarea Maritime. And he got up, and you can go to Israel there, and you can stand in the very Colosseum or theater, amphitheater, that he did this. He, he showed up in sparkling silver Uh, robes and when he walked the sun glistened off him and the people there saw this and they're like oh you know herod here he's like a god he's like a god and he took the praise of the people and he put himself in the place of the one and only god and let himself be worshiped and the bible says that uh, worms ate him i mean he within a few days he was devoured by intestinal worms and died so god does not at all appreciate other gods, either they be demon or humans, before him. Matter of fact, that's one of the Ten Commandments. There's You shall have no other gods before me. Uh, there's only one God, one the Almighty God, the creator of the universe. Everything else, whether demon or man, has been a created or is a created being, and therefore not worthy of being worshipped. Unfortunately, you get these, these rulers, right? They come in. They're kind of public servants at the start if they're from a democracy or republic. And they work their way up and pretty soon it goes to their head and they start feeling the, uh, the inclination of being a dictator and the dictatorship soon becomes a uh, president for life. And then after a while, they start seeing themselves as representatives of God, almost like then they start seeing themselves a messiah. And then pretty soon at the very end, they start seeing themselves as gods themselves. And you see this with monarchs who get in and are in for a long time. They go through the phases where eventually all the all the power, all the praise, all the fame goes to their heads. Uh, there's a point now, like Vladimir Putin, for instance, has worked his way up from a, a public servant to a president, and now he feels like he's an emissary for God, bringing Ukraine back under the fold of the Russian Orthodox Church. Well, it won't be long the next step where he'll believe he's the Messiah, and then after that, if he gets continues more power, the next step is God. Xi Jinping is already putting pictures of himself in the churches in china to be worshipped so uh, god can't stand that and what does he do so we got tyre and its sister city sidon which were major city states of the time period located in what today is lebanon Uh, the coast along the mediterranean there wasn't very good for for putting ports so you only had a few of them you had that down in what is haifa today and then farther south in yaffa where jonah sailed out so there wasn't a lot of them so sidon and tyre became very powerful And again, it went to the ruler's head, and God says, "Okay, well, I'm going to knock you down," and he did, right?
0: Nathan, what a great analogy there you just shared, because you know, all throughout history, that is the reality. It also reminds me, right, Nathan, of King Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, We saw how God used him as an instrument of war. But then God humbled him as well because he was trying to put himself in place of God. And the Bible says that God allowed him to go mad and he was eating grass uh, like an animal. And the Bible says until he came to his senses. I think, Nathan, the problem today is that there's so many people in power that they need to come to their senses and recognize they're just a creation. They're not God. They let their power get to their heads and they act like it. But here the Bible says in verse nine, uh, of Ezekiel chapter 28, it says, Will you still say before him who slays you, I am God, but you shall be a man and not God in the hands of him who slays you. And Nathan, that was uh right on in terms of we see history and people allowing this power to get to their heads. But also Nathan, I believe too, according to scripture, that there's also spiritual ties behind these things, demon possession, some of these kings and rulers and the way that they behave and treat a people, reminds of Saddam Hussein, when he was killing his own people, and a lot of it is also spiritual warfare and spiritual entities that are tied to these people acting in the way that they do.
1: And- uh, you're absolutely right. Oh, think about more modern one, the 20th century century Hirohito, who was the emperor over Japan during World War II. And he was thought of by his people as a god and he was treated as a god. And when Japan fell, they couldn't, the people couldn't believe it because they had a god leading them. And they quickly realized, I I remember my history, Hirohito finally had to mention after his defeat that I'm not a god. And so God does not like it (laughs) when people try to take his place. Because he's the only one worthy of worship. It's not that God has this massive ego or that he's jealous or anything like that. It's that there's the true worship, the true relationship that's healthy is between man and their creator, God. When we misplace it with false gods like Nebuchadnezzar or hero, he other, we're doing just what you said. It's a spiritual battle. Demons, Satan, it says in Isaiah and other passages, that Satan wants to be worshipped as God. That's his purpose. That's all the work that he does here on earth, twisting and manipulating and lying, is to get humanity to worship him. And his demons want that same kind of worship as well. And they'll take it by possessing people and like he, they will possess the Antichrist one day. When Satan possesses him, he will make the world worship the Antichrist and worship Satan through the Antichrist. And so what does God do with each of these though? He knocks them down. So as proud as Tyre was, And this, brother, ought to be an example to all the mighty nations and city-states. It doesn't matter if you're London, Tokyo, Hong Kong, San Francisco, New York City, whatever. When you start, when pride becomes your impetus for everything, everything's about pride, whether it's gay pride or financial pride or or sports pride or whatever, and it replaces God, that's idolatry, and God's going to knock it down because the right relationship is a relationship with him.
0: I love it. And Nathan, what what a wonderful word that is. If only individuals would take heed to history and the word of God and understand uh, the reality, God is really in control. He allows people to have certain power, but at the end of the day, he is God and he will not share his glory with anyone else. Again, for those of you that just tuned in, you tuned into the Truth Who Set Free Bible Prophecy Edition. Vic Batista Nathan Jones. As uh, so you're looking at Ezekiel chapter 28 in a message titled Spirit of Tyre, spirit of Tyre. And Nathan, also another thing very important to recognize is the spiritual warfare, again, that uh, develops around government, people in power, but also in the different realms, if you will. And I love Ephesians chapter six because Ephesians chapter six really sets things up. For the next portion of scripture that we're going to look at in Ezekiel chapter 28. So, to remind people of really what's going on, certain people in government, certain rulers, they're nothing more than puppets uh, with spiritual strings uh, that oftentimes the enemy is, is pulling and they're acting according to how the enemy wants. So, and Nathan, when you mentioned that about the Antichrist, uh, that is one perfect example uh, of what's coming in the near future. But Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 through 12 are very important passages for individuals to recognize because they deal with spiritual warfare and what is behind kings, kingdoms and powers. Would you be able to read those verses for us Nathan there in Ephesians 6 verses 10 through 12 in case someone doesn't have a Bible? This is finally my brother. Is
1: finally my brother. Oh, be sorry. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places.
0: Nathan, and I I mean, we look at those, just those two verses and how powerful they are in describing to us. This other realm that, we're, that is not visible to us, but is very real. And here the Bible describes the influence of the spiritual realm when it comes, again, to principalities and powers and rulers. And it says of the darkness of this age. And as we talk about Tyre, Nathan, we see the hearts of, king, of these kings were filled with pride. They were filled with 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 this darkness. And where does that come from? The spirit of Tyre. And that's what we want to uh, talk to you guys about. Nathan, I don't know about you, but I remember watching um, a movie called The Lord of the Rings. Did you ever watch those?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yes.
0: And Nathan, do you remember the spirit of Sauron?
1: Yes. Uh, Well, if you see the new rings of power, you see Sauron as just a man but who ascends into godhood because it's all about, the, again, having the people worship him. Or you see a good wizard like Saruman, who eventually, as he's offered more and more power, corrupts him until he becomes an agent of evil. And isn't that that old saying? Absolutely. Power corrupts, but absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Isn't that the truth?
0: That is so true, Nathan. And, and, you know, we liken, like I was saying, the, this movies, is uh, like the Lord of the Rings, because one thing they did was that uh, in the movie they talked about Sarum's destruction as, as uh, the, the individual physically. But then his spirit lived on influencing people behind the scene. As we go back to the book of Ty, as we go back to the book of Ezekiel and we see tires fall, suddenly we see a switch more from the physical uh, to the spiritual. And that's why we wanted to give you a little bit of background about spiritual warfare, because you see the spiritual war is very, warfare is very real and, uh, Satan and his demons, they do possess the bodies of, of, uh, individuals and they have a lot of influence in government and also these type of, um, individuals that are in power. And as we look back at Ezekiel chapter 28 and we pick it up in verse 11 through verse 15, You're going to see how this passage switches now from speaking about a nation to refer to someone different. Nathan, would you be able to take us through those few verses there in Ezekiel chapter 28 as we look now at verses 11 through 15 in case someone doesn't have a Bible?
1: Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre and say to him, Thus says the Lord God. You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The sardis, topaz, and diamond, beryl, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. You were the anointed cherub who covers. I establish you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. Verse 15... You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you.
0: Nathan, isn't this a fascinating passage? I mean, when you look at this clearly, this is not talking now suddenly about a nation, but is switching to something different. Yeah,
1: I mean, you're sitting here thinking, OK, this is the, the king of Tyre. And, and we, in the lament we just read earlier, he says, well, you're just a man, right? So is God through Ezekiel is addressing the king of Tyre, who is just a man. But like you said, brother, you are absolutely right. Behind a lot of these corrupted politicians, you'll find demonic activity. So what is who's really behind this king of Tyre? Uh, it's describing Satan himself. You know, Satan possesses people. We read how he's possessed Judas uh, when he betrayed Jesus. He will possess the Antichrist one day. And we read here That clearly he was possessing the king of Tyre at his time. So it's a double prophecy of condemnation and judgment on the city of Tyre, both for its king who in his pride allowed himself to become so corrupted that he got possessed by Satan, but it's also a prophecy about the downfall of Satan. Now, I don't know about you all, but I am anxious for Satan to be defeated, to be cast into that pit for a thousand years and then when he's released for a little time at the end of the millennial kingdom, Jesus is going to send fire and send him right to the lake of fire. I can't wait. He has ruined so many lives and destroyed so many people on his insane quest to be worshipped. But here it's really neat because Ezekiel's pulling back the veil. So we get to understand Satan a little better. And it's interesting, isn't it, Vic, how Ezekiel describes what Satan really looks like?
0: Nathan, and that's an excellent point. You know, one of the biggest mistakes people make is that they think that Satan is this ugly, hideous uh, uh, individual, you know, painted with a pitchfork, uh, colored red with horns, uh, this ugly, detestable uh, individual Uh, in the Catholic religion. They always have this picture of uh, St. Michael uh, sort of stepping on Satan, you know, and uh, you see this hideous, dark guy, uh, being pinned down. And it's almost like immediately you want to say, yeah, get him God. Uh, but when you look here at the description in Ezekiel chapter 28 of Lucifer, Satan is very different than the picture that we have today. I mean, Nathan, what you read for us, what you described is, is, is spoke that he was in the garden of Eden. So we know this had to be someone who's been around for a long time. And not only that, but it also calls him an anointed cherub. Right, you and I wrote a wonderful book called The Mighty Angels, and in there we reveal the different types of angels in angelology, and we talk about seraphims and cherubims. And here it describes to us this individual was a cherub, so this could not just be the regular prince of Tyre, if you will. It had to be the embodiment of Satan that is talking about here.
1: Yes, and it's interesting. Yes. When we think about the cherubs; they're not these cute little babies in diapers with bows and arrows that are shaped like hearts. They're described as four-faced creatures that have four wings and at least the, the ones that carry the throne of God look like this. Now, Satan, interesting, For a, if, if he is one of—now, again, when we teach about the angels, they're not all just uniform like clone troopers. There, there are so many different varieties of a, species, if you call them, of angels and demons. And so if Satan is a cherub, then he has four faces and four wings. But the Lord describes him a little different. He's different because he's the greatest of everything, anything created, like the best. He is the best created. And it's interesting that we read that Satan was full of wisdom and perfect in beauty and covered in jewels. And he was the Lord's musician and worship leader over his throne. So that's the most important position any creature could ever have. But it's interesting how when you read about Satan then, when he was Lucifer how incredible he is, and see how much sin has degraded him. He's a power-mad, self-absorbed liar. He's corrupted. His sin has corrupted him. Uh, He's almost insane in his ambitions, and he will be mad with desire for conquest until he's finally destroyed and cast into the lake of fire. What a difference from such a noble, beautiful being to such the corrupted evil worm that he's become. And that's what sin does to people. It destroys everything it touches. And that's why when people say, oh, Christians are so judgmental, they're they're always speaking out against marriage and family and against gays and, and they're, oh, they speak against transgenders. Well, that sin is corrupting and destroying you. So it's an act of love to speak out. Now, when we do it in love and use the tone of love, not judgmentally, it the, is to rescue these people from the sin that's destroying them. And so uh, just there's so many different applications we can get out of this passage, right?
0: Absolutely, Nathan. And I think the key thing is as we get ready to close that we notice this verse 15 is very descriptive and it shows his downfall. And this is what you're right, Nathan. This is what people need to caution themselves because it says, You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. Sin corrupts, Nathan, and power and everything else. And that's why we need a savior. That's why we need uh, uh, the Lord uh, to forgive us and to cleanse us uh, from our iniquities. That's why Jesus died on the cross. That's, that's why he came. According to John three sixteen, it says that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And that is the hope that we offer uh, you today. We see these lessons here in the Word of God, and we can learn from these lessons if we truly, from our hearts, repent and turn uh, to the Lord. So, Nathan, again, for someone who maybe hasn't started that relationship with the Lord, maybe they recognize that there's some darkness in their lives and they want that out, how might they be able to start that relationship with the Lord even today?
1: Well, when we talk about Jesus, when we talk about Oops, excuse me, little echo there. When we talk about Jesus as a savior, it means that he needs to save us from something. Well, what is he saving us from? Well, as we just read here, it's sin. It's our rebellion against God, that corruption, that that turning from others to self is destructive. If you want to look at uh, the Star Wars series, how when Anakin turned from the light to the dark, how it corrupted him and destroyed him until his body was destroyed in his mind. And he needed a savior, someone to come and redeem him. His son, Luke, showed him love and brought him back to the light side. Now that's a secular uh, uh, picture there, but in reality, we're the same way. We've been corrupted and evil. We, are, we have been twisted and turned and it, our destiny is to be destroyed. in like that lake of fire of Mustafar, we are gonna be sent to that lake of fire, which is hell because of our sins. And so we need Jesus to come to rescue us, to save us from ourselves, save us from our sin. And he does that by forgiving us our sins. Now, the punishment for our sins still remains. But Jesus took that by dying on the cross. And by beating death, he provided victory over death. And when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, Christ's victory becomes our victory as well. And so we need that Savior because we are going to hell. We are dying in our own sins. And so the Lord wants to restore that right relationship with you. How do you do that? Well, you reach out to him in faith. You take hold of that free gift that he's given you. You pray from your heart in faith something like, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I've been rebelling against you. Please forgive me. I'm sorry. Lord, I want you to be the Savior and Lord of my life. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus will do that. He will erase your sins. The guilt will be washed away, and you'll inherit eternal life with him you will be saved.
0: Praise the Lord. Thank you so much, Nathan. And maybe you trusted in Christ right now. Maybe you pray that prayer to receive the Lord and in your heart, you truly have repented. Nathan and I would love to hear from you. You can call us. You can text us 305-992-9537. We want to rejoice with you. We want to send you a Bible and a study guide so you can continue to grow in your relationship with the Lord. And we want to say congratulations for that wonderful decision that you have just made. Also, find a good Bible teaching church. Be part of it get baptized and grow there. And Nathan, that is the exciting thing. That's why you and I do these programs every week, right? Nathan is to see what God will do in the lives of people and the lives of people in response uh, to the gospel.
1: Absolutely. Hey, absolutely. We we are all trying to grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ and studying the Bible is the, the best way to do that. Pray and like Vic said, get involved in a, a church. So you have other believers to help you stay accountable and help you grow in the Lord Uh, But uh, we're hoping that these messages also reach those who are dying in their sins because we want to rescue, we want to throw you that life preserver of the gospel and help you know Jesus Christ. It's the greatest decision, the, the only one that really matters in your entire life to choose Jesus or not. We pray that everyone here has chosen Jesus.
0: Praise the Lord. Thank you, Nathan. Well said. And of course, uh, we ran out of time for this segment of the program. We thank you for being part of today's program that we titled Spirit of Tire. Well, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. Vic Bautista, Nathan Jones saying goodbye and have a wonderful week. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Says in John 3:16 that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life.